0: The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. You have a copy of God's Word this morning. Would you join me Hebrews chapter 4? We'll start in verse 11 and... Read to the end of the chapter. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that none of you may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Last week our time together was in verses 12 and 13. And just to be Honest with you, those, those two verses are, are a little unnerving, aren't they? I mean, it, it, is un, it is unnerving to be reminded that God's Word works in us. The Spirit of God works in us to discern our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. It is unnerving to know that we cannot Hide from God. We cannot fool Him. We can fool a lot of people. We can cover a lot of things up. We can hide from a lot of things. But God we cannot hide from. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from His sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give and account, you will be laid bare before the eyes of God and held accountable to His Word. Now this is not very good news. Not for me, because I know my heart. And it would be no good news if it were not for the next verses. Because what they show us is that even with all of our shortcomings, even with all of our sins and all of our failures, that we may approach God with confidence because of the redeeming ministry of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. These verses offer to us great comfort. Great comfort that you will be laid bare and I will be laid bare. And the very intentions of our hearts, our thoughts, our motives, laid bare, revealed before the searching eyes of God, terrifying. But yet still, we can, even as sinful as we are, approach the very throne of God with confidence. What incredible news. This morning we're looking together at verses 14 and 15 and 16. And I want us to look at these verses in a couple of different ways. So I'll lay out for you the, the outline that we'll use as we go through these verses together. One of the ways that I want us to, to approach these verses to gain understanding from these verses is to focus on ourselves. When we see ourselves in this text, we see three things. We see our requirement, our reason, and our resources. But I don't want us only to look at ourselves because that's not the only thing in view in these verses. But we also want to focus on Christ in these verses. And when we focus on Christ in these verses, we see three things. His superiority, His sympathy, and His sufficiency. So here's the way we're going to work. We'll focus on us with two points, our requirement and our reason. And in the section where we talk about our reason, we're going to focus on Christ. His superiority, His sympathy, His sufficiency. And then we'll close our time together looking at our resources. Make sense? The writer begins this passage by restating the requirement that is continually stressed throughout this letter. And it's one that we have come to and we have covered week after week after week after week. And I'll just let you in on a little secret It's one that we're going to come to and we're going to cover week after week after week after week. um, Because it is the consistent call, the consistent requirement um, that the writer of Hebrews lays out for us. And so I don't feel the, the necessary requirement for me to go into depth with it each and every week. But it is here in the text and so we do need to pay attention to it. And it is... Our requirement, verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. This has been the command of these last two chapters. to not fall away, to not fall away in the hardness of your hearts like the Israelites did in the wilderness, but to hold fast. That's that's been the the consistent command so far. Hold fast, don't fall away. Hold fast, don't fall away. Well, this verse kind of lets us in even more on what it is we are to hold fast to. As we can say all day, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast, but... But what are we holding fast to? This is a a question you should be asking yourself. Only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. Only you can answer it. You you answer it deep in your your heart. You ask the Lord and the Spirit to work, to say, show me, reveal to me, what what is the things that I'm holding fast to? People hold fast to a lot of different things. The world is full of people that are, are holding fast. They're holding on to their own works of, of righteousness. That I'm not near as bad as that person. I'm not near as bad as my ex-wife. I'm not near as bad as my ex-husband. I'm not near as bad as my neighbors. I'm not near as bad as these people. They're holding on to their works of righteousness. And churches are full of people who are holding on to some experience they had as a child. Because they walked an aisle and they said a prayer with the pastor. Or they knelt beside their bed with their mother or their father and they said a prayer. And what they're holding fast to is, I did that. I did that. That's not the requirement. That's not what we're to hold fast to. What? Are we to hold fast to? We are to hold fast to our confession. I want you to notice what that does not say. That does not say to hold fast to our profession. I say that because of just the, the culture that, that we live in as you know Southern Baptists in Alabama. You were raised in church like I was raised in church, man, all... Of the emphasis was put on a profession. It doesn't say we're to hold fast to our profession. Now, is a profession necessary? Sure. You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. But it's not a profession that we hold fast to. There are many people who are counting on their profession alone. We don't hold fast to the fact that we walked an aisle or said a prayer. No, we hold fast to a confession. A confession. Meaning, what we hold fast to is the content. It is the truth claims of our profession. It is what we believe. There is a truth content to our professions of faith, and it matters greatly. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. It's, a, it's a, the confession. We hold fast to our confession. It's the set of theological and doctrinal truths that we believe about God. It is by necessity doctrinal. It is by necessity theological. There are streams in Christianity where we want to say, man, we want to have charity and all doctrine and theology. The only thing that matters is that you have love. There is a necessity... For truth claims in the gospel that must be held fast to. J.C. Ryle says a religion without doctrine or dogma is a thing that many are fond to talk of. It sounds very fine at first, it looks very pretty at a distance. But the moment we sit down to examine and consider it, we shall find it a simple impossibility. We might as well talk of a body without our bones or our sinews. No man will ever be anything or do anything in religion unless he believes something. No one ever fights earnestly against the world, the flesh, and the devil unless he has engraven into his heart certain great Principles. There's a major push that has swept and is sweeping through Christianity to define Christianity as a religion characterized only by love. God is love, and He does call us to love. He calls us to love our neighbors. He calls us to love our enemies. But He also calls us to speak the what? The truth in what? Love, they go together. You cannot separate Christianity from the claims, the facts, the doctrines, the theology. You cannot separate. We must hold fast our confession and not waver, not let go. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is theological, doctrinal truth. It's fact. It's the, it's the confession that matters. It's the confession. Jesus Christ is Lord. And that carries with it so much. We must hold fast to this confession. We must hold fast to the truths of the gospel. The world is eager to strip those things away. The world is eager to argue them away. The world is eager to tell us that society in some way has moved past these things. Church, we must hold fast. For generations, it has cost us nothing to hold fast. Church, it will cost us. It will cost your children. It will cost your grandchildren. But is there too big of a price to pay? to receive grace for all of eternity. We must hold fast to this confession. And the reason why this is our requirement to hold fast to this confession is because of Christ Jesus, our high priest. The reason why we persevere this is this imagery of holding fast, right? I mean, you, you get the... This, 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 is, this is perseverance language. You're holding on with everything you've got and the world and your heart and your sin and the, the desires of the, the flesh, the desires of the eyes are seeking to pull you away, but you're holding fast. This is this perseverance language. The reason why we must hold fast to this confession. The reason why we persevere is because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ who has, as our great high priest, secured for us privileges right now in this life and a salvation that is to come. Verse 14. Since... This is the reason since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. That's the requirement. You see how those two things work together. We do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. Everyone is laid bare before the eyes of God. That is terrifying. That is fear-producing. That is shame-crippling. These two things go together. Shame and hiding. Sin produces shame. Shame produces hiding. But you can't hide. This is the story of the fall, isn't it? It's the story of the first humans created in the image and likeness of God. Male and female, He created them. Perfect. Holy. Until they fell, until they sinned, until they disobeyed, until they broke God's law, His requirements upon them. Everything is yours to be enjoyed. Except that. We'll take that. And what happened when sin came into the world? What happened was that they began to hide. That's what they did. They hid in the garden. But just like Adam and Eve could not hide, neither can we hide. What a futile attempt to hide from an all-seeing God. And when God came to Adam and Eve in their sin, He punished them. Because sin brings punishment. God punished them by kicking them out of the garden. And God punished them by cursing them. He cursed them in their work. He cursed them in their childbearing. But even in their sin and shame, God met them and God took the initiative in restoring their relationship with Him. They didn't. They hid. God took the initiative to restore a right relationship. How did He do it? He did it by sacrificing an animal in their place to make for them garments in order to cover their shame you don't have to hide because you're naked i will cover your nakedness and your shame though even covered you're always naked before me the eyes of the lord this was a foreshadowing this that happened in the garden as god kills an animal, sacrifices an animal, takes from the animal the skin, covers Adam and Eve. This is a foreshadowing of a sacrificial system that would be put in place in the Old Testament which would serve as a foreshadowing of Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross. See, what the book of Hebrews is primarily arguing for the primary argument is that Jesus is the better high priest. That Jesus is the superior high priest. Why? Because sinful people need a priest. Sinful people have to have somebody come between them and God. They have to. Because our sin separates us from him. We're out of the garden. We're out of his presence. We our sin can't allow us. God can't allow us to come into his presence. So we have to have somebody to come between us and God. This is the Old Testament role of the priest. It's the one who would come before God on behalf of God's people as a mediator to offer to God continual sacrifices to appease His wrath on their sin. We have to have a priest. Anybody know what many scholars believe is the oldest uh, book of the Bible? Bible. Job. You want to go back? You got to go, you got to go way back with Job. Here's what Job said in Job chapter 9. For he is not a man as I am. That's God. God's not a man as I'm a man. That I might answer him that we should come to trial together for there is no arbiter between us there's no mediator between us who might lay his hands on both of us this is job this is i can't go before god i can't do, he's not a man like me how can i go before him I can't go before Him. If only there was one who could stand between us. That's Job. This is before there were priests. If only there was a mediator. If only there was an arbiter. I can't can't get there. If only there was a, a sacrifice offerer. So what does God do? God institutes priests. And from the line of Aaron, there came priests from the tribe of, of Levi. We just read about this priestly garb. and I was reading that and listening to that with you. I couldn't help but think, why? Why? This all seems so foreign to us. Right? Like, why? Why all of the emphasis on the, the clothing and the, the the turban and the crown and, and what? I mean, th- this is very regulated, regimented. Why? I mean, and God loved and just you know, can't we all just get along? Come on. You know why? because it is a deathly serious thing to come before a holy God. This is serious business. Do you know why? Because He's not a man like us. We're sinful. It was a serious thing to come before God. It was a dangerous thing. It is a dangerous thing to come before God. It is especially dangerous for a whole bunch of lesser priests because that's what they all are. Lesser priests. Do you know what Aaron was? He was a priest who needed a priest. You know what every Old Testament priest is? A priest that needs a priest. And that the only reason why they could even come before God to mediate on behalf of the people of God is because God was willingly gracious to them. We all need priests. Because our sin, just like our parents, just like their parents, just like their parents, all the way back to the first parents, our sin separates. We're out of the garden. We're cursed. We're sinful. We're shameful. Laid naked before a God. We need a priest. We need a covering. We need a sacrifice offerer. We need a mediator. We need an arbiter. And so there was a whole line of lesser priests until there came the better priest. Until there came one who was not just the priest, but was also the prophet. It's Hebrews 1. 1. Not just the priest, and not just the prophet, but the king. The king, totally fulfilling all of the requirements of the the tribe of Levi, yet being from the kingly tribe of Judah. Until there came a greater high priest, a better high priest, Jesus Christ, a mediator who needed no mediator. The great high priest who needed no priest. Who came to offer a sacrifice. Not a sacrifice of bulls and goats. No, a sacrifice of himself. A great high priest who became the sacrifice and is now in heaven as our superior high priest. Jesus is the superior high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest. A great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Church, not only is Jesus the superior high priest, he is the sympathetic high priest. Verse 15. "...for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." The Lord that we serve is not some far-off, disconnected, uncaring God who does not understand our trials and our struggles. No, He came Himself to this earth and He took up our human nature so that He can now, right now, sympathize with all of our weaknesses Because of His humanity, He is able to represent us before the throne of His heavenly Father, pleading our case and securing for us what we need because He knows firsthand what we need. He was made like us. So church, don't give up. Hold fast to the confession, even in the face of difficulties, even in the face of sufferings, because Christ in heaven has endured what we endure, and He did so without sin, and He now, in righteous glory, is representing you before God, a superior and sympathetic high priest. What strength to persevere? Because in him, we find a sufficient high priest. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus Christ satisfies all the requirements necessary to approach God. This was the Old Testament priest. He would come before the presence of God once a year into the holy of holies to make atonement for the sins of the people would cross that veil and come into the place where God was before the ark of the covenant And there you would see golden angels on top of the ark, gazing down at the law of God. These tablets broken because we broke them. And then to avoid punishment, he would offer there a blood offering. taking blood and sprinkling it on the mercy seat of God. Asking God to please turn your punishment away. At least temporarily. Every year over and over and over. But now we have a better high priest. He is superior. And his offering is sufficient. He's offered a better sacrifice his own blood to satisfy the wrath of God once and for all so that now we who were once barred from God, hiding in shame, we can now through Him approach His throne with confidence because Christ is sufficient. Every requirement. Satisfied. So that now we have access to the very resources that we need. And we can come in confidence and draw near to the throne of God. You don't need me to do it, you have Christ. So what does it mean to approach the throne of grace? It means to come in prayer. It means you can, right where you are, at any time, at any moment, in any place, for any reason, come in confidence, not hiding in shame but coming in confidence before a God who sees you, who knows you. Because we have a priest, a great high priest, a a superior high priest, an an all-sufficient high priest who became like us and has passed through the heavens, is now at the right hand of God. The, The plea of Job answered, oh, if there was an arbiter, there is an arbiter, the man Jesus Christ, he's there and he's saying, you can come, you can come. Because I'm here, you can come. You can come in prayer and you can find there what you need. Listen to the words of Jesus, John chapter 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 6, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 23 and 24, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in, of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's what it means to approach the throne of grace. It means to come to God in a humble confidence and to receive from Him all that you need. We do it in prayer. Now there's loads of places that we could have talked about that. But I was was just struck by this in John. I mean, it's, it's John 14... John 15, John 16. I mean, just over and over, one after another, Christ saying, come to God through me and you will receive all that you need. Why? Because His throne is a throne of grace. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Because we have a better high priest, a more sufficient high priest, a sympathetic high priest, we can come before God with confidence and we will find there at His throne all that we need. And the number one thing that you need is grace. It's not, Lord, I need some more money. I can't make the ends meet. I need your help. Lord, I, I need this. Lord, I need this. Those, those may all be real needs, those may all be valid needs. And the Lord is, is eager and willing, and gracious to meet those needs. It's what Jesus said. But there is one need that trumps every other need, and that is the need of grace. Because you are a sinner. Because I am a sinner, and my sin condemns. And your sin condemns. And without God being gracious to you, you will experience an eternity of His wrath. Your greatest need is His grace. And the good news for you and the good news for me is that his throne is a throne of grace. And when we come there, we get mercy. And we've received help in our times of need. My hope for you and my prayer for you is that you will not be like our parents, hiding in shame, but that our eyes will be open to the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ made manifest to us in the gospel, that we would see in Him a great high priest Superior to every other high priest, sympathetic to our condition, sufficient, sufficient as a mediator. And that we would, by faith, come to God and find their grace and mercy. And from there, daily approach his throne and receive the help that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we hold fast our confession. Father, would you help us keep our requirements to hold fast the confession. The truth claims of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners separated from you, rightly deserving your wrath and your punishment, but you have made a way through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who took up our flesh, lived a sinless life, paid the penalty of sin, which is death on the cross, completely satisfying the wrath of God and who now stands for us as a mediator, and arbiter between sinful man and holy God so that through Him and Him alone we could come to Your throne and find grace and mercy and all that we need. All that we need to hold fast. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.